Welcome to Pullback, the podcast where we challenge ourselves to try something new in ethical consumption. Then we tell you what we learned, fuck-ups and all. I'm Kristen Pugh, and I'm here with Kyla Hewson. Hello. And today, we are doing an episode on eating insects, and I am really excited to hear all the research you have, because I did nothing for this episode. <laughs> Which is so unusual for us. This is our uh, our Rick and Morty style, one in every ten is Kyla's. <laughs> I don't mind being the Morty to your Rick, that's fine. <laughs> So we are talking about eating insects today. Did you, so you didn't do any research? No research at all. I came in completely cold, so. Okay, cool. So what do you (laughs) know about eating insects so far, other than our challenge, which was, of course, to eat insects? So I have heard that it is a lot more sustainable than other forms of animal protein. I also know that I may have, as a vegetarian, conflicting moral feelings about eating animals. And that was like a thing we talked about when I decided whether to even do the challenge or not for this one. But I'm glad I did. It was an interesting experience. And other than that, I I don't know anything. (laughs) Cool. It's going to be fun. Let's talk about our challenges to start out with. I bought cricket powder. What did you do? I also bought cricket powder. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't. I don't know about you, but like the place I was looking at, like they sold cricket chips and mealworm like chips. And I was like, I'm not I'm not there yet. So (laughs) the place I was uh, buying from, it's called Camola Sustainable Foods. It's an Edmonton based startup. And um, I really wanted to buy full crickets because I figured like go big or go home, but they were <laughs> sold out of all of them. So, Oh, dip. See, and the place that I bought from, uh, Entomo Farms, they're in Toronto, or not Toronto, sorry, they're in Ontario. So it's like closer to your neck of the woods, and they do <laughs> have cricket chips. I ordered mealworm powder as well, um, because it was one of those things where it's like, oh, spend $45 and get free shipping. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sucker for free shipping. But they had to send me like three small packets of mealworm powder because they were sold out of the stuff that I ordered too. So it's kind of interesting to see how popular this is. I didn't really realize before we started this. Yeah. This, did you notice a taste difference between the mealworms and the crickets? Yeah, you know what? I think I liked the mealworms better. But the first word that I have written at the top of my notes for this episode is literally just the word cat food, <laughs> which <laughs> is how I my immediate reaction uh, to opening my cricket flower was like, oh, this smells like cat food. And then I put it in a smoothie and I was like, oh, tastes like cat food, too. That was my first reaction. How much did you put in your smoothie? Because I, you had told me this is terrible. And so I was really worried putting it in a smoothie and I didn't taste it at all, honestly. But I only put like a, maybe a tablespoon in. Well, it could be that our cricket flour tastes different, our our cricket powders taste different because as it turns out, as we'll talk about a little bit later on in the episode, what you feed the cricket completely changes the taste profile. Fascinating. Yeah. And because this is such a new and emerging industry, because of that, there's just nobody's feeding their crickets the same thing. There's like no regulation. (laughs) You can just feed them anything. So everyone's kind of experimenting still. So that could be maybe why, or maybe I'm just um, a fussier than you, or I did put too much in, I don't know. But I will say my initial reaction was that I hated it. But now that (laughs) I've eaten it for a few meals, I actually, it's kind of growing on me. Yeah, I've been, so my main disappointment has been that I haven't really tasted it. Like, so I, <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> feels like if you Google cricket recipes, it's all geared towards stuff that basically hides the flavor of it, right? Like either you're putting a little bit in brownies, in which case you're not going to taste the cricket, you're just going to taste the brownies. I tried a pesto recipe because I thought maybe that'll play on some cricket flavor, but I really didn't taste it at all. Although maybe I just am not sensitive to tasting it because I had the pesto out on the counter and my mom was like, ooh, pesto, what's in this? And I started listing all the other ingredients first. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, there's some spinach, some basil. And like I was going through and she's like, oh, and she grabs a spoon and tastes it. And she's like, eh, I don't like this very much. And like puts the spoon down. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's the one with cricket in it. So, and then she immediately runs to the sink and is like, <laughs> oh no, oh no, she shouldn't. Cricket's not so bad. No. But that is everyone's immediate reaction to the idea of eating insects, right? Is that mm -hmm. ick factor, um, as everyone likes to call it. So, I don't know. I guess that'll be the number one thing to get past when it comes to eating crickets. Or or maybe there's a few other things. We'll we'll get into it. So so for this episode, because I did all of this research, I'm going to structure it by starting with talking about who eats insects, the history of eating insects. It's not going to be that long of a section, but it is kind of interesting. Um, I'm also going to talk about uh, the benefits. So the stuff that you talked about, like, is it more sustainable? Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is ethical questions, because I knew that you as a vegetarian would be a really good person to maybe discuss that with. And then we're going to talk about like the downsides to eating insects, if there are any, which we'll, we'll see at the end. Does that sound good? Yeah, I want to say one more thing about the challenge first, though, because I came up with my own recipe with the cricket powder, and I think it works pretty well. So um, it's just uh, if you make some popcorn and you put some cricket powder and some paprika, super good combo. Nice. Yeah. You mentioned that to me and I said I would do it before the challenge and then I promptly did not. So, <laughs> but then I remembered this morning when we were getting ready for our challenge, I was like, oh no, I didn't make her popcorn recipes. So that now there's popcorn on my counter next to cricket powder that I'm going to use. Did you get cricket flour or cricket powder actually? Powder. Powder. Okay. Yeah. So that's usually pure cricket, whereas you can get the cricket flour, which is mixed with actual flour. So you would get less cricket flavor, but I am putting a lot of cricket powder in my stuff. So maybe maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm just under cricketing it. <laughs> but it's it's grown on me. Like my my initial reaction was like people describe it as oh, it's earthy, it's nutty, and I was like no no no, this is this tastes like cat food. Uh, and I think part of what my like why I would make that connection is that crickets, well, and we'll talk about this in a second too, but crickets are pretty similar to fish. So Sometimes you might get like, um, I, I don't know, I associated it a little bit with like a fishy sort of smell. No, it did. And it has like um, a similar umami flavor. That's why I thought it might be good on the popcorn. But yeah, I definitely agree. I got fish more than cat food for sure. But I bet our crickets <laughs> are just eating different things. And that's why they're so different. <laughs> we'll have to swap companies and try it out. Yeah, there you go. I'll send you some of my will, my mealworm powder, which I put into a spaghetti, and that was delicious. Actually, my boyfriend ate some, and he's vegan, so he like shout out to him for being such a good sport. He uh, he was he was uh, pretty iffy about it, but then in the end, he was like, "Well, this tastes fine. I I can't taste anything." I'm like, "That's <laughs> I didn't put in very much, and then I used lots of garlic and spices." So, <laughs> okay. A lot of the information that I took for this episode, and a lot of everyone else's information on this topic actually, comes from the same paper. 
uh, and it's from 2013, and it's by the FAO, the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization. It's called Edible Insects, Future Prospects for Food and Feed Security. It's 200 pages long, so I did not read the whole thing, but I did read quite a bit of it. Before this report came out, there was basically zero conversation happening on the subject. So this kind of kickstarted the whole discussion. Uh, one of the biggest companies in the industry, Aspire Food Group, I think they're based in Texas. Uh, they were formed the same year that the report came out. So part of the reason that they're so big is, I think, really good luck. They just had great timing. <laughs> <laughs> so... The practice of eating insects is called entomophagy, and people have done it since prehistoric times. We've basically always eaten insects, right? I'll start with a shout out actually to the wiki article on entomophagy, which is super thorough and interesting, and I recommend checking it out as a starting point for anyone who is interested in learning more after this episode. Uh, how many people do you think eat insects worldwide right now? So I know it's a fairly big thing in non like European parts of the world and that's where a lot of the population lives so <laughs> three billion well I would say you're close but you're off by a billion I don't God know if that's it. close or not <laughs> it's two billion. <laughs> oh wow I overestimated it <laughs> yeah yeah it's two billion people two billion people eat insects around the world mostly in Central and South America Africa Asia a bit in Australia and New Zealand uh, it's less common from my experience there. It's certainly not something you would find at a normal cafe in Australia from <laughs> what I experienced. But basically, it's it's only really taboo in Western cultures. So I don't know. Maybe we're wrong. <laughs> it shouldn't be. <laughs> how is it? How is it really any different from a lobster other than ones underwater? <laughs> Literally, that is something that I was going to bring up. It's true. Like, um, sorry, I'm thunder stealing. <laughs> no, no, it's true, though. It's And it's slowly becoming more acceptable in Western cultures to eat insects. Like, you and I are finding that the cricket powders that we want to buy or the cricket chips are are, are selling out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in Seattle, you can get toasted grasshoppers at Mariners baseball games, and they're, like, a huge hit. They had to, like, ramp up production. So it's, like, it's becoming slowly more and more, like, acceptable and less like something that you would see on a show like Fear Factor back in the, what, <laughs> early 2000s, right? <laughs> And I haven't thought about that show in so long. <laughs> Me neither, but it came up a lot in my research. <laughs> so there are about 2,000 anthropods globally that are known to be safe for human consumption. And an anthropod is an invertebrate animal with an exoskeleton, segmented body, paired jointed appendages. So that includes insects, arachnids, uh, myriapods, which are centipedes, millipedes, stuff with like tons of legs, basically, uh, and crustaceans. So lobster, crab, you know, shrimp. Is shrimp a crustacean, actually? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but basically, if you're eating crab and lobster, you're already part way to eating insects. They're just, I don't know, gigantic bugs of the sea. Hey, editing Kyla here. Throughout my research, I kept misspelling the word arthropod as anthropod, and I even put a note to myself to not mispronounce it, and I stubbornly did it anyway. Arthropod, arthropod, arthropod. Also, shrimp are crustaceans. Girl, get it together. Crickets are so similar to shellfish that they put allergy warnings on cricket powder, saying that people with shellfish allergies may react to cricket as well. Oh, I was wondering why there was that label on there. Yeah. Good research, Kyla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was curious too. I was like, why? Uh, so yeah, like you said, it's like, it's kind of funny that we eat lobster, 
it hasn't always been in delicacy, right? Like way back in the day, it used to be fed to servants and prison inmates until the rules were passed to like, they changed the law basically to prevent something so cruel. So like they couldn't feed lobster to prisoners anymore because it was just too disgusting. <laughs> so I don't know, in a hundred years, probably that's how we're going to feel about insects based on the, the research that I've done. It's going kind of in that direction. Yeah, because we'll have eaten through all the apex predators. Shout out to the seafood episode. <laughs> <laughs> So I actually wanted to know why we don't eat insects in the West. Like, why is it so taboo? Um, a New York Times article suggested that because Europe spent so much of its history covered in ice, it only has about 2% of the world's edible insects, and they don't get nearly as big as they do in warmer climates, so they were never worth hunting. Uh, we associate them with things that are dirty or decaying or carrying disease. And also, the Bible says not to do it. Leviticus 11.41, <laughs> and I quote, And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. <laughs> I can't believe you're just quoting Leviticus here. Like, <laughs> well, that's that. <laughs> Don't do it, guys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, and because, like, I don't know, colonialism, right? Early explorers saw people eating insects in different countries and viewed it as animal-like, right? So super racist um, colonialist explorers would be like, oh, these people are crazy. They're eating insects. And as Europeans took over large parts of the world, they took the idea of not eating insects with them. So we can thank them for giving us this like taboo. I think more people would be eating insects worldwide. Um, it's, it's even more of a thing that people are ashamed of, even in countries where traditionally they would eat a lot more. Like um, in Africa, mich missionaries were especially influential in Africa uh, in changing the way people viewed eating insects. So thanks, guys. Colonialism was so arbitrary, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're super weird for not eating insects. Um, we, there are 2,000 edible anthropods, but there are 800,000 like that we know of. So not a huge percentage are actually edible. So it's like, I wouldn't suggest anyone go out into the street and just pop a beetle into their mouths, you know? <laughs> I'm not going to eat like the next ladybug that lands on me or dragonfly or whatever. Dragonflies are actually, well, actually, uh, we're going to get into what bugs are edible in a second. <laughs> so you could, but I don't know. Dragonflies, <laughs> honestly, like in Alberta right now, they're gigantic because there have been so many mosquitoes this year. So, Oh, yeah, it's been raining like crazy there. I don't know if the dragonflies in Alberta are edible. That is something we'll want to ask an entomologist <laughs> before we start dining. But I don't just eat berries Consult off the your street. local entomologist. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this next section that I wrote uh, says, surprise, we already eat bugs. <laughs> Did you know this, that we already are eating bugs? Um, other than like lobsters or? Yeah, other than lobsters, like actual insects. Mm, is it because they like get into the food process or? They sure do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How, if you were to guess, how much weight in insects do you think we eat each year? I don't know, like five pounds. <laughs> Damn, you're over again. That's not my much. <laughs> we eat two pounds. <laughs> two pounds of insects get into our food each year. They wind up in food like peanut butter, spices, canned fruit and vegetables. Um, I can only find the United States uh, sort of numbers, but it can't be that much different here in Canada. The US FDA allows certain quantities to pass into the food that Americans buy. 
so this is a quote. Um, For every one quarter cup of cornmeal, the FDA allows an average of one or more whole insects, two or more rodent hairs, and 50 or more insect fragments or one or more fragments of rodent dung. So... Thanks, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Think about that the next time you have a spoonful of peanut butter. (laughs) I guess it's kind of inevitable, especially if you have such big, um, like, processing facilities. You can't. Yeah, no, of course. You might just accidentally grind up a rat at some point. (laughs) I don't know if they're grinding up whole rats. I sure hope not. (laughs) But then the other thing to think about is honey. Like, we both eat honey. And a teaspoon of honey represents the lifetime regurgitation of 50 bees. So. Yeah, so that bee episode we're eventually going to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot, though. Holy oh, shit. Oh, yeah, we have to do an episode about bees. <laughs> I didn't even think about that when I wrote this. <laughs> this in. I wasn't even trying to shoe in, shoehorn in our love of bees. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's a lot, though. That's like, how many bees must there be for the amount of honey production we get? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to do an episode on bees. <laughs> so what insects do people eat? Uh, the most popular are beetles, caterpillars, bees, like actual eating of bees, not just honey, huh. wasps. I just assumed bees and wasps wouldn't be edible. But... No, they totally are. Actually, um, cool. there's... There's a, in, in Kushihara, Japan, there's an annual wasp festival where wasp hunters sell snacks like wasp moki, uh, chocolate wasps, and full wasp nests. It's considered a delicacy and they like hunt for them all year round. It's crazy. Hmm. Yeah, that was a bit of a rabbit hole I went down. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if, um, so I know I'm allergic to wasp stings and I wonder whether I'd be able to eat a wasp. Well, I think in the process of, like, I don't know if you would want to buy a wasp nest, but I think in the process <laughs> of, like, cooking them, they they lose their, they lose their, mm, I don't want to say venom, but, like, I don't know. I don't know if you'd be able yeah. to eat it. Probably not. Don't, don't risk it. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like a fun festival, though. I don't know. I don't think I would be interested in going. <laughs> You're cooler than <laughs> Yeah, me. I think I should probably steer clear of it, but I like, um... Wasps, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm generally on the side of ecology, but not for wasps. <laughs> yeah, fuck wasps. But in, uh, apparently they're delicious. I don't know. So uh, a few of the other things we can eat are ants, grasshoppers, locusts, and of course, crickets. And that's just a few. Like we can eat dragonflies. I know I saw that on the list. Um, I know that uh, in Beijing, I saw scorpions on a stick. Um, I've bought mealworm powder, right? In Australia, on a tour I did in Darwin, um, they picked ants right off of the trees and um, fed them to the tourists who were brave. I wasn't brave, but everyone else says they tasted uh, citrusy. Uh, and th- apparently huh. they're super high in vitamin C, so... Well, there you go. <laughs> I googled that uh, just the other day just to make sure that the guy wasn't messing with me. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't want to repeat that on the podcast if it's not true. But it is. They're totally, they're super high in vitamin C. That's interesting. So if you're like... On one side of getting scurvy and you can't find a lime somewhere, just like pluck an ant off a tree and see. Only if you're in Northern (laughs) Australia and only if they're bright green. (laughs) I can't speak to any other ants. Okay, never mind. Ignore my advice. (laughs) All right. So now we're going to get into the interesting stuff, which is, of course, why why eat bugs? I'm going to actually start with a quote from an article by a guy named Samuel Imathew from the University of Agriculture and Technology in Nairobi, Kenya. So he wrote an article and it says, um, 
The current research evidence shows that edible insects can play a significant role in addressing food and nutrition insecurities, and this should be encouraged. Scientific evidence shows that edible insects' nutritional quality is equivalent and sometimes exceeds that of animal-based foods. This and the fact that edible insects have a faster growth rate, high food conversion efficiency, and requires less resources to rear compared to livestock should make them a more attractive quality food source, especially to the rural poor in the developing countries, end quote. So I feel like that kind of sums it up, but I'm going to go into more detail. (laughs) No, it makes sense, but I'm excited to hear more. Because I always hear that like um, crickets are really sustainable, but I've never actually like, I don't know anything about how they're cultivated in like an industrial setting. And I don't know. So I'd like to hear more. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into that. Uh, But the number one reason that I have written here for why people should eat insects is... um, Everyone who eats insects says they're tasty. That's the number one reason I eat food. It's tasty. (laughs) Two billion people aren't eating bugs because they don't taste good. You know, apparently stink bugs taste like apples. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's the same kind of thing. um, Like, is it durian, the fruit that smells like ass but tastes really good? Oh, Mm, this might be controversial, but I think durian also tastes like ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> but yes, yes, that is, for most people, yes. Durian is one that tastes really, really good, but smells so bad that it's like illegal to have inside in some places. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to start with the environmental benefits. Um, we've talked a lot already in previous episodes about how animal agriculture is a big culprit in climate change, but... As a refresher, livestock account for 14% of global greenhouse gas emissions and use about 70% of the world's agricultural land, and production is expected to ramp up as global demand continues to increase. So as countries become wealthier and more urbanized, their meat consumption grows, fighting climate change means overhauling our current food system, and eating insects can help in a few ways with that. If anyone wants to know more about agriculture, you can visit basically any of our previous episodes. Uh, Vegetarian uh, and vegan episodes were pretty good for that, I think, too. And our milk episode, surprisingly, I think. Yeah, I think vegetarianism part two is probably the one that goes into it the most, but we've definitely covered it a lot. It's rough. It's not good for the planet. So if we could fix our our food system, like, well, I mean, even when we had Robbie on as a guest for a couple of episodes, he, he talks about like the number one thing you can do to reduce your environmental footprint is to go vegan. And well, spoiler alert, being vegan is still better for the planet than eating crickets, but crickets are better than other meat alternatives in a few ways. So Uh, Insects can be fed on food industry byproducts, which can help reduce waste and environmental contamination. Um, That would be more for insects that are being raised as feed for other animals. Um, For people, we want to feed bugs food-grade food. So you want to feed the insects food that we could potentially eat. So wait, are some crickets being fed like, I don't know, the end bits of pigs and stuff? I didn't look into farms that raise crickets for feed. But I did see that there was a study done where they did feed crickets some like a certain type of organic material that wasn't basically it wasn't food scraps, it was other organic waste and the crickets all died. So probably not. Hey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's like I said it's like a really it's an emerging thing. Nobody's really sure what the best way to feed a bunch of crickets in a farm 
is. Like they're getting there because they've been working on it for seven or eight years now. But it's it's kind of interesting the way that the research isn't quite there yet. So my recommendation is that like if you're going to start a cricket farm in your house and you're going to feed them food waste, you know, melon rinds, apple cores, stuff like that, they can live off of that. And then, you know, you can eat that too, right? So Mm -hmm. this is an area that definitely needs more study. And the farms that I looked into feed their crickets like a grain meal. So that would be part of the downside too, right? It's like, well, you're feeding the crickets grain meal. We could just eat the grain. but We'll get into the health reasons why you want to eat crickets later. I actually have some really good points for that because, like, you get a lot more vitamins and minerals out of a cricket than you do out of grain, right? Grain's pretty simple. Yeah. It's always hard to do that, like, um, trying to figure out what the comparison point is for looking at emissions of food. Like, you don't want to just do per pound, but doing per calorie also isn't necessarily good. And per, per, like, gram of protein also has its drawbacks, so... Uh, yeah, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna run some of those numbers here in a second, but yeah, take those with a huge grain of salt. So it is interesting, though. Is the plan eventually for some of them to uh, like cultivate crickets from compost, basically? Yeah, I think I don't know if anyone would do that. I just know that in theory it's possible. So you could reduce food waste by feeding it to crickets. No one's doing that right now that I could find. But in theory, yes. I don't know. Um, it's a. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty interesting, though. I. I would be interested to see where the studies go with that. Yeah, because like, um, food waste is a huge source of greenhouse gas emissions. So that would be a cool twofer you could get. You know. Yeah, exactly, and that's why a lot of so a lot of the things that are I was reading about um, eating insects were super super biased. Like they were straight from the the farms that are like selling these things. You know what I sure. mean? So. <laughs> So I I tried to dial it back a notch on that one and look for the actual studies that have been done. Um, In theory, yes, it could be like a bit of a circular system in that way, but mm, it's not actually happening yet. So we'll see. Gotcha. So my second point here is that insects emit fewer greenhouse gases and less ammonia than cattle or pigs. Uh, Methane is one of the worst greenhouse gases, and it's produced by only a few insect groups, such as termites and cockroaches. Um, You can definitely eat termites. I don't know if you can eat cockroaches. I don't know if I would want to eat either of those things, but (laughs) I'm still a squeamish Westerner. Maybe I'm wrong. Overall, bugs produce about one-tenth as much methane as conventional livestock. Um, because, oh, here, actually, I'm going to quote from the FAO directly here. Uh, because they are cold-blooded, insects are very efficient at converting feed into protein. Crickets, for example, need 12 times less feed than cattle, four times less feed than sheep, and half as much feed as pigs and broiler chickens to produce the same amount of protein. So as an email blast from Entomo Farms, because I'm on their (laughs) mailing list now, uh, put it, they say, uh, less feed means less land, water, fertilizers, and transportation. This is actually a little contested, though. So when fed certain organic waste diets, they've been found to have the same feed conversion as chickens. I think the feed uh, the big farms use do make them more efficient, but everyone is still trying to figure out the best stuff to feed them, right? Uh, And they're for sure going to be more efficient than cows. (laughs) Also, like, I mean, I know we're going to go into the animal welfare stuff later, but I I would imagine that the things that cricket farms are doing to make... um, those sort of outputs look better on the environmental side, like that might have some drawback for the like lifestyle of little cricket, you know, before he dies. Maybe. Jiminy, let's call him. 
Jiminy, little Jiminy. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to humanize it that much. <laughs> um, I don't know, though, because crickets, like, they thrive in dark settings. So they save a lot of energy just by having the lights off all the time, which makes the crickets huh. happy, right? So that's a way that they are minimizing, like, energy output, but it's not detracting from the life of the crickets at all. But it is, yeah, well, we'll get into that later anyways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, the overall land and water footprint of insects is way smaller than traditional livestock, so you don't have to clear land to raise crickets. They're fine being kept in small spaces, uh, you know, as long as they still have room to jump and explore. It's not like we're going to make a trillion tiny cattle cages for them where they can't even turn around, you know? Aww. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's a really depressing image. <laughs> <laughs> because of how small they are, it's going to be difficult to be as cruel to them. There's just no space to be mean. Oh, we are a terrible species. We really are. <laughs> this is supposed to be an uplifting episode, Kristen. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. By 2025, nearly 2 billion people are expected to be living with water scarcity. And more than half of our fresh water is being used in agriculture right now. Uh, or at least that's the stat I found. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. One kilogram of animal protein requires five to 20 times more water than one kilogram of grain protein or uh, 100 times if you include the water required to like for forage and grain production to feed the animals. Right. So one kilogram of beef requires between 22,000 and 43,000 liters of fresh water. Uh, crickets need a lot less, although the numbers are all over the place when I look it up, because again, there hasn't been a lot of study. They're hopping around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, there hasn't been there hasn't been much study done on this um, because there haven't been cricket farms for very long and there still aren't that many. There's like a hundred, I think, in the whole world. You know what I mean? So the highest estimates I saw were between 100 and 250 liters to get a kilogram of cricket, but one source said 10 liters and another source said one liter. So it varies wi widely, but like the at the highest estimate, it's 250 liters, which is still way less than the 22,000 to 43,000 liters that you need for, for beef. Yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah, crickets need a lot less water to get the same amount of meat, basically. But it would still be more efficient for a water perspective to just produce the grain or... Yeah, of course, because you're going to be, you know, well, actually, I don't know if it would be that much I mean, more. I guess if you depends on what you feed it, but sorry. No, no, that's okay. It's just, it's interesting because if you are feeding the cricket a grain diet, crickets don't need to drink too much water, or at least I read this, because they absorb a lot of the water that they get from their food. So I don't know if you need that much extra water for actual, like, crickets to drink. You know what I mean? So maybe that's why the 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 range is so wide because people aren't sure, you know, how much water crickets <laughs> drink. <laughs> how thirsty are crickets? The people want to know. <laughs> uh, for land, uh, this one's pretty obvious. Crickets take up less space. Uh, you need about 200 square meters to grow one pound of beef, but you only need 15 square meters to grow one pound of cricket. They're really good for vertical farming if they're being kept in crates. Uh, one farm said that they keep their crickets in crates that are about 10 feet by 3 feet, um, but you can keep crickets in smaller boxes for small-scale operations. You could literally grow crickets in your house. Do crickets like being in boxes, though? Like, That's a know. great question. We will get to that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound kind of sad, you know, like a 10 foot by 3 foot crate, but crickets are small, so... 
Okay, so crickets are also ready to eat way faster than other animals. They transform from larva to adult within weeks. There are loads of species of crickets, but most of them die of old age after about 10 weeks, and none of them live for more than a year. Wow. So I actually thought that was kind of interesting because it's a really fast turnaround for for a harvest, if that's the word you want to use, you know? Yeah, you don't have to wait years for like the tree to mature or whatever, because crickets are they're done their whole life their whole life cycle in a couple of months. Yeah, and you don't need to you don't need to rotate the crop and you don't <laughs> need to you don't need to let them graze over, you know, a whole bunch of fields and stuff. So I think in that way it's actually way better. And presumably like because they're an egg laying based system, you don't have to like deal with the like there's a lot of issues around male and female cows and stuff like that, and, like animal agriculture. Yes. Presumably that's not like a thing in cricket cultivation, but I don't know. No, actually, fun fact, I wrote it at the back of my notes just in case it came up and here's an opening. <laughs> uh, when crickets are ready to mate, that's when they make their chirping noise. Oh. So that's a horny cricket that you hear when they make that <laughs> chirp. And um when you've got a really big industrial farm and loads and loads of the crickets are ready to mate at the same time, the farmers have to wear headphones because it's just too loud. <laughs> okay, so the next the next way that they are a little bit more sustainable is that they, they offer less food waste um, since the whole cricket is being used, right? In addition, um, and Tomo at least, says that their crickets manure and sheddings, which is called frass, cricket frass. Cricket frass, I like that. Yeah, cricket frass, <laughs> which is a really nice way of saying cricket poop. Cricket poop and cricket sheddings, uh, but it's sold to farmers and gardeners as high-quality fertilizer. So it's like you're using the whole cricket. They grind up the whole thing when they make the powder, and when they send you the chips, it's the whole cricket, right? Yeah, and presumably if they're collecting the frass, um, then it's probably not polluting waterways and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. As a bonus, um, for those who love capitalism, all of the ways the bugs are more environmentally friendly than livestock also makes them cheaper. Uh, it's still a little pricey to get insects uh, here in Canada, but it will become more cost effective for the consumer when everyone is eating them. Yay, capitalism, question mark. <laughs> but as no. you scale it up, it will become more efficient and it, it is in theory cheaper to produce. But because the demand isn't quite there yet, it's really expensive right now. So it's that's why it's really tricky to compare crickets pound for pound for beef, because a pound of cricket is like a fortune and a pound of beef is not, right? Yeah, actually... I was um I was reading a book recently on um cultivated meat and how that's going and uh it's sort of a good example of how scale up really changes cost factors cuz like um when they first produced the first like cultured meat burger that was produced um like a burger from cells not from uh, an actual cow um was I think it was like $1.2 million for that one burger. Yeah. Uh, and now they've been able to reduce it. So it's only, I mean, it's still expensive, but it's now $50 a pound to produce um, like cultured meat. Wow. That's a huge difference. I didn't know it was that cheap already. Yeah. So presumably you have the same kind of thing happening with crickets, although crickets don't need to be scienced as much because they do just naturally exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they take care of themselves pretty well. We'll have to do an episode on, on lab-grown meat sometime. Definitely. Oh yeah, my last point in sustainability here is that eating insects isn't just for people. They can be used to feed pets and livestock. We'll probably have to start using them as our food's food pretty soon, actually. The FAO figures worldwide production of animal feed will have to increase by as much as 70% to be able to feed the world by 2050, when we'll have around 9 billion people on the planet. So switching from 
meat meal, fish meal, and soybean meal would help mitigate the production problems that come with those industries, which we've talked about in our milk and fishing episodes in more detail, right? So the the, the farming food to feed your food is its own thing as well. <laughs> yeah, but crickets still need to eat food. So, I mean, I understand why, like, probably you want to use it in, like, aquaculture. That would be a really good solution. I see that. Um, but... Would it, is it really more efficient than, than soy? I don't know if it's more efficient than soy. Um, I don't know it, what if grain is better than soy because you're not feeding the cricket soy usually, although you could. Um, but just knowing that the way the soybean industry is, like the, the, for, for cattle feed, it's kind of ramped up to the point where now the Amazon is on fire, right? I think that has something to do with it. We've- yeah, but like that's because we're, we have to produce so much of it for animal feed, right? And if like... Let's say we're just replacing, let's say we only use crickets to produce um, the like feed for cows that we're producing, right? You would need enough crickets to create the amount of food that they would need equivalent to like the soy that we're growing in the world. And I don't know, I have to assume that's more land intensive because you have to then grow the like grain to feed the crickets. And That's true. I feel like it's just a way, another way to diversify the f- food, you know what I mean? So you can feed them less soy. Um, And also, ideally, in a world where we're feeding our animals crickets, we're also eating more insects ourselves, which would reduce our demand for beef. Yeah. I think we just need to end the beef industry. That's... that's I mean, yeah, truly. Uh, Everyone switch to crickets tomorrow, please. (laughs) Cricket burgers for everyone. Except vegans, you don't have to. Yeah. Although it's kind of interesting because a lot of vegetarians and vegans do eat um, insects, but we'll get into that when we get to the ethics section in a a minute here. Oh, here's my fact from before. Oh, silly me. I I didn't put it where I wanted it. Uh, When we were talking about emissions earlier, um, crickets emit half as much carbon dioxide and use 25% less water than chickens. Well, there you go. So, yeah, which is the closest comparator. Everything else uses a lot more. Okay, so now we're briefly going to talk about the health benefits to eating insects because a lot of like the great reasons that I've just listed are environmental. And, you know, sure, we can all switch to crickets, but if they're not good for you, then what's the point? (laughs) So insects contain loads of protein, vitamins, minerals, and amino acids. They're loaded with omega-3 fats, iron, magnesium, calcium, zinc, and fiber. The exoskeleton of insects actually makes their fiber-like content super high. This obviously varies widely, you know, based on the insect that you're eating. You know, there's there's nearly 2,000. Uh, but for the most part, they're hella good for you. They're really good for you. And Tomo Farms, uh, I, I, went to, I went to them because that's where I bought my, my powder. But they talk about the nutrients in cricket powder on their site. They use what I've said before, I think, is a misleading metric, which is comparing the nutrients of beef to cricket pound for pound. But my cricket powder was really expensive. I won't be able to eat a whole pound of cricket the same way that I could eat a cheeseburger. Or at least I can't yet. The people demand cricket cheeseburgers. I'm just imagining like grabbing a spoon and eating the cricket powder by itself. Uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 I couldn't. But I just like as, as a, this is more of a, a good, uh, it gives you a better idea of like the, the nutrients of like the powder that I bought anyways. Two tablespoons have 400% of my B12 intake. That's amazing. Yeah, somebody who often has trouble finding like B12, that is that's that alone would make it like something that I'm probably going to keep buying. Yeah, I'm super B12 deficient all the time. I have to take supplements. So, I mean, well, this 
this podcast is going to help me decide whether I keep crickets in my diet or not. So that's going to be a factor in the pro column, B12. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing I have kind of in the health section here is that compared with mammals and birds, insects may also pose less risk of transmitting zoonic infections to humans, livestock, and wildlife, although this topic requires further research. That's a direct quote from the FAO. That makes sense because they're probably, they're physiologically so different that probably we can't catch most of the same infections. Yeah, like mad cow and H1N1 and salmonella, for example, appear to be less likely to be transmitted. Um, but because we're not farming insects on a large scale right now, more research needs to be done before we can really say that for sure. Another really interesting reason to look at insect farming is for pest control, actually. So this is a quote from Wikipedia, which I know isn't a very great source, but they phrased it really well. Shout out to whoever did this article on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Some researchers have proposed entomophagy as a solution to policy incoherence created by traditional agriculture by which conditions are created which favor a few insect species, which then multiply and are termed pests. So in parts of Mexico, the grasshopper is controlled by its capture and use as food. Such strategies allow decreased use of pesticide and create a source of income for farmers totaling nearly uh, 3,000 US dollars per family. Environmental impact aside, some argue that pesticide use is inefficient economically due to its destruction of insects, which may contain up to 75% animal protein in order to save crops containing no more than 14% protein. I'm now imagining like a company in New York that just goes around collecting all the cockroaches there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or Sydney. Yeah. You said Sydney was like full of cockroaches. Oh, my God. Sydney like <laughs> needs to look at their cockroach infestation problem, truly. Like I've never. I That's where I learned the cockroaches can fly. They're huge and they fly. And I had no idea. It's absolutely <laughs> revolting. Did you know, um, maybe I've told you this fact before, but I really like it. Uh, cockroaches are one of the animals that most enjoy the like touch of other creatures. So they'll sometimes like crawl inside human ears just because they like being close to people. Well, that would explain why they like to sleep in my bed all the time when I was in <laughs> Australia. They just yeah, to I can't tell whether it's that's a like a cute fact or just even more revolting than anything else about cockroaches. Yeah, it's either horrifying or adorable. Why not both? Yeah, I think it's both for sure. <laughs> All right. And so my final sort of thought experiment that we have for this is another quote from a New York Times article. So in the past two decades, villagers in impoverished northeastern Thailand have started housing crickets in concrete pens in their backyards. As demand for the insects has risen, um, so have profits. One farmer reportedly went from selling 10 kilograms to more than two tons a day. Now, around 20,000 such farms have been established, collectively earning more than $3 million a year. So it's an industry that, because it's growing, it could lift people out of poverty. Yeah, especially since, I mean, if we start eating locusts, uh, I mean, that's a growth industry because of climate change. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it doesn't take a lot to grow crickets. It isn't, it's, it's a pretty small scale operation that you can get going, but we're going to talk about the ethical issues of that right now. So my next segment here is called, is it cruel? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> so Kristen, as you've said before on the show, it's a little tricky when you look at how one cow can feed a number of people while a number of crickets are needed to feed one person. So is it ethical to do that? 
again, it's just a space where there hasn't really been much, much research done. Nobody cares about insect welfare. It's not a thing people are really looking into right now. Uh, and the laws are super loose about how to raise and protect insects. The farm that I bought my powder from puts the cricket welfare in their advertising, but I don't know. Personally, I don't think we should rely on the kindness of cricket farmers entirely in this, you know? Yeah, especially once, like, big cricket starts out. Right now, it's, like, um, it's startups that are, they tend to be sort of, like, ethically motivated and, like, you can maybe trust that they're trying a little bit more, but as soon as it becomes a bigger protein source than efficiency trumps all. Yeah. So like right now it's probably fine, but as it gets bigger, I think we need to have rules and regulations in place to kind of protect the well-being of the insects. Um, It's most likely that insects do not feel pain, but we're not sure. I spent a lot of time on this actually. Uh, The safest thing to do because we're not sure if they feel pain or not is to just regulate the treatment of insects and farming. You do you, really is it likely that they don't feel pain because um so in like the reading I've done on um and admittedly this is not from biologists it's from philosophers but on uh bivalves and stuff the the thinking on why they don't think bivalves can feel pain is um that it like evolutionarily wouldn't have made sense to develop a pain response because if you can't move then there's no reason to you know feel pain. But insects can move, you know, and presumably there'd be an evolutionary advantage to uh, feeling pain and to being able to, like, jump away from something. Yes, and that's that's why it, we're unsure. They don't really have... They don't have evidence that they do yet. But. Well, it's tricky. I actually... I, I'm going to share a couple of YouTube videos that I watched on this on our website, and I really encourage people to check it out because it's kind of complicated and we don't really have time to go into it right now. But basically... From my understanding, because they don't have like a central nervous system, they don't have the same pain receptors that that larger creatures do. They do jump away from heat, but that could be like an it could be a response to other other triggers. Basically, most entomologists are in agreement from the research that they've done that insects do not feel pain, or if they do, it's way different than what we experience. But because we can't ask crickets. We'll just probably, honestly, we might never know, which is why it's really important to regulate because we don't know. Uh, probably no. Probably no is the way most people lean, especially entomologists. But because we don't know, it's just, it's really, it's really important that we regulate it to make sure that they're not suffering more than they should. It's really easy to kill crickets humanely. And we're going to go into that right now, actually. The best way to kill a cricket, from what I could tell, was just taking them into a room when you're ready to harvest them and lowering the temperature until they go into hibernation, and then they eventually die. Yeah, they just fall asleep, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it usually takes about 24 hours. Otherwise, if they don't do it long enough, they'll wake up from hibernation when they're on someone's plate. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, a few farms had that issue before when they first started out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now they let, the, they let them sit for a full day just to make sure. <laughs> um But from what I can tell, that's the most humane way to do it. And that's why most farms, especially in Western countries, do use that method. There are other methods to kill crickets that are not humane, such as boiling, frying, steaming, roasting, etc. Anything that involves heat. Oh, Kristen didn't like that. (laughs) No. It reminds me of, I have a very traumatic experience as a child watching like a crab being boiled. 
Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like transporting live lobster and throwing them in the pot. No, no, no. I'm not a fan of that either, which is why I'm all for regulating. Like, even if they don't feel pain, just put them to sleep. It's easy. Yes. Unlike mammals, insects actually really like living in high density situations. That's kind of the next point was that, like, do they like living in these crowded crates? And the answer is actually probably, yeah. Insects kind of like living in swarms. That's like their thing. Um the Aspire Farms, the one down in Texas, uh, I'm pretty sure they're in Texas, they they talk about how their crates, they fill them with um, objects that the crickets can jump on. They got, they're full of nooks and crannies that they can hide in if they feel like they're stressed out. So I don't know. I mean, if there's enough crickets in there, then they're going to be in all of the nooks and crannies anyways, and it's not like they can hide somewhere away from other crickets. Entomologists seem to think that crickets are happy in these situations. Again, because because insects are so different from mammals, it's really hard to know for sure. But based on the way we see insects swarming in the wild, probably they're fine with it. Okay. So, like, the cricket farms that exist are, they set up the boxes in a way that is, like, trying to mimic the natural environment, but... Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, Entomo Farms, the one that I bought my crickets from, actually, they don't use crates at all. They just leave them all in like a a, a big room uh, so they can jump around freely and they have 24-7 access to food and water. So (laughs) I'm just imagining this room now. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, it sounds awful. Uh, Intomo Farms also says that uh, the crickets will live at least 80% of their natural life cycle, which if they live for 10 weeks, isn't really that hard. (laughs) (laughs) But it's good, though, because um, with mammals, they kill them much faster than would be like they speed up the whole life cycle so that it's really not normal. And that's like why turkeys can't really stand anymore and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. So even if for crickets, that might be really easy. It's also a really important thing when you think about it from like a welfare context. Yeah, exactly. I read kind of a, an argument that somebody made about why they're they're against eating eating insects. And I kind of went into this this article after I'd been reading about the pros of eating insects for like that's mostly all you can find is all of the the reasons to eat insects because everyone's basing their information on this report by the FAO which you know they're leaning in that direction themselves which and there's a lot of reasons for it. So I was kind of interested to see what a philosopher kind of had to say on it and um his argument was basically that Is it ethical to bring more insects into existence in farming operations, especially considering their lives are like, they're not going to be as good as as a wild cricket. Like there's not really much you can, you can do about that. It's not their natural habitat and amateur farms are likely to cause harm by making mistakes or just like straight neglecting the, the insects. So like if someone decides they want to have a cricket farm in their house, You can totally do that right now, but then you could also forget to feed and water them and they could starve to death, right? And neglect is actually a big problem for a lot of startups, um, especially from what I could tell uh, in in other countries, um, countries that don't maybe have the infrastructure that Canada does to set something like this up. So in that regard, yeah, a cricket farm is going to be less ethical because they're not taking care of the creatures that they're raising. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, it was a fair point. The rest of his article, I don't know if I cared for so much. I'll share it anyway so people can read it. But that was his really good point that that I was like, yeah, you are bringing more insects into existence that wouldn't have lived otherwise. So it's tricky. And it's interesting from like, because when we went through the seafood episode, one of the one of the questions is like, well, when you look at aquaculture versus wild caught, like the death in 
for wild caught fish is like universally horrific, but at least they get to sort of live in their normal ecosystem all the time. And it sounds like there's really no way to do that with on a large scale anyway with uh, insects. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there might be. It's tricky. The way that they harvest the the crickets at um, Aspire Farms is uh, they'll they have like these logs that they let them jump on. And when the crickets are big enough, they'll kind of just hang out on those logs. And then they'll use like a machine to lift the log. And then they'll take it over to another crate and they'll just shake the log until all the crickets fall into the other crate. <laughs> and then they'll they'll take that other crate into the freezing room. And that's how they harvest them. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think right now where I'm at is that so first of all, I don't buy the they don't feel pain argument. I think it's probably likely that we just it's a different kind of thinking. Maybe. I'll send you those those videos and see see how you feel after watching um, the arguments yeah. made there. It's just that like for the longest time, the like standard science was that no animals felt things like pain. And that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm not coming down hard on either end of that one. I was I think <laughs> I'm gonna precautionary principle this one and say like we don't know, but I think an absence of absence of evidence isn't evidence, you know? Well, there's some evidence that they don't feel pain. That's the thing. Not in the but, way that we do, right? The central nervous system thing is just an argument that they don't have a pain receptor that's like ours, right? Again, I can't really get into it too much on this podcast. <laughs> These videos, they really go into it a lot better than me. Okay. And I didn't, like, it was just, it was so technical that I didn't bother with it. But the, yeah, the consensus is probably no, um, but err on the side of yes. Yeah, so I think that that's where I'm sitting with that. And then given that, I mean, I think they found a pretty humane way to kill them, it sounds like. Um, if they just hibernate and then they're gone, that seems a lot like what we do with euthanasia, you know? I mean, we don't yeah. freeze people, but like... <laughs> well, it's what happens to the insects naturally when fall comes. Uh, and for the ones that yeah. survive the 10 weeks, you know? yeah. Yeah, the only question I guess then is like, how disruptive is it being in those crates or whatever? Um, how close is that to the natural environment? Um, or are they really stressed out and we just don't know? Yeah, and also the question is, ethically, where do you place insects? Like, obviously, we care a lot about cows, but I'm going to squash a fly that comes into my room. That's true. Um, <laughs> that's true, too. I don't know. So the 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 question is like where do you place insects on the moral scale, right? Of of care. And I would argue that I don't give a shit about most insects, but I do give a shit about people mistreating them in big operations. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tricky because there's really no logical reason not to place them in the same level. I mean, a life is a life is a life is a life if if that's sort of how you hold it. Like although I don't know, there are I mean, we were talking about this in vegetarianism part one, right? It depends on what your metric is. Like, is it some level of intelligence? Is it just that like pain question is, is, yeah, I don't know. That's really tricky. <laughs> it is, especially when you look at how many benefits there are. Um, because at the rate that the world is growing we're going to have a population of 9 billion people by 2050. And there's already a lot of people who are food insecure. So this is a solution to that, right? Yeah. Another solution is dismantling capitalism, but <laughs> I don't know if we're ready for that. <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think where I think where I'm at with this is like, maybe, 
maybe eating insects is slightly better than I think I'm going to put it like eating insects seems like it's morally better than eating eggs or dairy or other meats. It's still kind of ambiguous from both a climate and a, like an animal rights perspective. Like, I don't think we have enough information to answer the like, is it humane question? And the environment question, it seems like plant-based is better. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, but if you're comparing it to, to animal production, then crickets are way better. So if people are going to continue to consume meat, then crickets are, is going to be way, 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 way better for the planet than our current agricultural system, which needs to be completely overhauled soon. Yeah, but like if I'm a, a Western consumer looking at like, do I eat crickets or not? Like, I think the answer is no, just go plant-based. Yeah, I mean, if if you're ready to become a vegan, then, or even just a vegetarian, then totally. But I think I think when I, where I fall on this is cricket might be an answer for people who are not ready to do that, and it's a really good way to transition away from our current obsession with the meat industry. Yeah, or maybe if you have some sort of because um, I know people do have illnesses that can prevent them from being able to go fully plant based. So maybe eating crickets is a way to meet your dietary uh, needs without sort of dealing with the the problems ethically of the factory farming of chickens and cows. And Yeah, and scaling this up in other countries, because like I was saying at the beginning, as other countries become wealthier, their demand for animal products grows. So if we could shift that away from cows towards crickets... That would be infinitely better. Yeah, although I have, I have ethical problems with that too, right? I mean, it is a question because, yeah, we have to we have to deal with climate change in some sense. But I don't know if I like the idea of, um, you know, we should get poor people to eat crickets because not poor they, people, like just um, like the emerging middle class in China, for instance, is going to be huge, and they're they're drinking a lot more milk than they used to because they see it as a Western you know, thing to aspire to. Yeah, but I mean, the underlying argument is kind of like, we want people to be eating insects in the third world to meet food security needs. No, 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 no. That's not my argument. No, that is the FAO's argument, though. Um, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Although I think the FAO is leaning towards everybody. I don't know if they, they specifically... Um, I think they'd be happy if everybody, even in Western cultures, like, I think that's who it was kind of aimed at this, this report. Mm, okay. But I don't know. I didn't read the whole thing, honestly. So <laughs> I don't know. I just like, it kind of makes me feel gross. Like the idea that crickets would be sort of like a lower class protein, which I know isn't what you're arguing, but I think it is kind of like the underlying argument in any food security case for crickets. So yeah, no, I absolutely agree. That's why I think that we should all equally be eating crickets if we're all if, <laughs> if 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 two billion people are food insecure, I'm willing to eat cricket so that they can have the same diet as me. Yeah, totally. You know, like I'm willing to share. You, they can have my watermelon and my cricket, and I'll have my watermelon and my cricket. <laughs> why watermelon? <laughs> I don't, I've been obsessed with watermelon lately. It's really hot in my recording closet, and it's all I can think about is how I wish I'd bought a watermelon when I went grocery shopping earlier. 
Anyway, That's so random. I love it. <laughs> well, we can talk a little bit more about the downsides of eating insects because I do have a couple of points here just to finish us off here. So, Oh, sure. Sorry, I totally like... No, I mean, it's the way that we're going, right? The, that's the way this episode is, is kind of winding down. So my first point is we have to be careful of overdoing it. Most insects are still harvested from the wild rather than farmed. So when you do find insects in Thailand or China or, you know, or even in Australia... Uh, or at the Japanese wasp festival, they're all being wild harvested. There's not really a farming industry right now. So, you know, it's possible to accidentally destroy the local insect population from either overdoing the wild catch or from accidentally introducing insects into environments where they didn't exist before. So in Australia, it's really tricky to get insect farming off the ground because obviously it's really tricky to import wild animals, which makes sense because they're an island. So that's one idea uh, is that like either over over catching if you're wild catching or introducing insects into an environment where they shouldn't be because it's hard to guarantee that some of them won't escape. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's um, one maybe optimistic point on the the over catching is I feel like, you know, there was a big problem with that in with bycatch, right? In seafood. And you wouldn't want something like bottom trawling to be a thing that exists for insect cultivation or for insect catching. Yeah, we sort of know that that's a risk, I think. And so um, as insect industries grow, I like to think that that's the kind of thing we'd know right away to to regulate against. Well, and of course, like the idea of eating insects is only becoming popular in the West because it's a greener solution. So like if they were tearing down forests to catch bugs, I don't think people would really be interested in buying that product. Yeah, it's true. The sort of like um, the non-environmental right loves to jump on any sniff of hypocrisy. So like if there's any kind of environmental harm, like you know how much like almond milk has been like maligned even though it's not really that bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and it's and it, and it would be tricky like you like you were talking about earlier if if we were to ugh, foist this onto people who are food insecure because we I don't know, think we're too good to eat bugs, which I don't think, but yeah, that is a danger of of policymakers thinking that way. Thanks colonialism. <laughs> Uh, the danger there is that, yeah, maybe it would be like environmentally damaging because it would be happening in places that have fewer regulations. And it would be because they're harvesting for food and not for the sustainability reasons. Yeah, definitely. So um, another danger is that if you are doing wild caught insects, um, just in general, uh, they, they, they usually come into contact with pesticides. And you don't want to eat insects that have been eating pesticides. Which is another benefit to the farming. Um, that being said, because production isn't super mainstream, uh, there hasn't been a lot of studies done on concentrations of heavy metals or pesticides or, allerg or allergens, allergens, things that make people sneeze. <laughs> uh, infrastructure and machinery for mainstream harvesting is still new and it's loosely regulated or not regulated at all in most countries. It's hard to know how safe the production process is for churning out food, if insects are being raised on farms with poor quality or straight up rotten feed, the humans who are eating that are getting that nasty bacteria. So again, it's just a new industry and that's there's not much you can do about that. 
Oh, yeah. Here's a point that I kind of thought of on my own. Uh, Because farming insects is not a well-understood industry, scaling it up to meet the demands of a population pushing 8 billion people will probably bring surprise issues that are difficult to foresee now, but obvious in hindsight. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) making anything big is going to come with its own problems. Like we were just talking about, like, yeah. The harvesting could be could be problematic. Definitely. Uh, and then my last point um, against eating insects is uh, they're nasty looking as fuck. <laughs> I am not ready to eat a cricket chip. Kristen's there apparently, but scorpion on a stick, I'm not there. Uh, uh, tarantula fried, I'm not there. I'm happy to stick with my like. And I was reading about it, and I was getting kind of excited because I was like, oh, there's so much like there's so much potential in this industry. But then every time I looked at a picture of someone eating an insect, I was like, God damn, I don't know. I'm. It might be a generation below us or a generation below them before people are really doing it. Before before they don't like eat a cricket. Like your mom ate a spoonful of delicious pesto. And then as soon as she found out there was cricket in it, she spat it out, right? Yeah. So <laughs> you and you and I like we're, 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 well, I have the powder and I'm pretty, I don't know, progressive thinking on this. So. Yeah, I think it's just a, like um, sort of like an aesthetic thing. So probably now that there's some startups, it's going to be increasingly in like nice restaurants as like an interesting thing. I know definitely there was a food thing in Toronto a couple of years ago that was all about crickets. So uh, that'll make it more fashionable than it goes down to the middle range, like, you know. Yeah, actually, that was something that I was going to bring up if it came up, and it did. So thank you for that. (laughs) Uh, But sushi comes up a lot when people are talking about eating insects. Sushi was heavily stigmatized when it was first introduced in the West, uh, but it grew popular because restaurants were putting it on their menus and, you know, restaurant patrons trusted the chefs to present something edible to them when they went into their favorite restaurant. So as restaurants, restaurants are actually going to be a big part of it being becoming acceptable in the West. So I, I tried to find a restaurant in Vancouver that sold insects. And there were a few a couple of years ago, but they're not they don't seem to be around anymore. Or if they are, they're not serving it anymore. So yeah, it seemed to be a trend around like 2015. And like, now it's not as prevalent anymore. Which makes sense. That's two years after this big report came out and everyone kind of blew up about it. They, Everyone was kind of talking about it for a year after that. Restaurants thought they'd try it, but people weren't there yet. Um, I think we might see it more in the next five to ten years, for sure. I think it might be a thing, like, um, I mean, we talked about this in the seafood episode, but, like, mugfish are gnarly as fuck. Like, they do not look edible. But <laughs> <laughs> all it takes is sort of one person to say, hey... This is a fairly cheap source of protein. I think I could make it a sensation. And then suddenly everyone's eating it because we've eaten our way through all of the like meat that everybody likes to eat. Yeah. What we need is influ- influencers to take Instagram stories of themselves or, or TikTok videos uh, like eating <laughs> a tarantula. I don't know. Uh, I read an article uh, by a writer. Her name was Angela Skugins. Uh, she tried to eat insects in every meal for a week. And it was a huge failure. Uh, it's actually a pretty funny article. Wow, we should have done that for our challenge. That That's so much more hardcore than what we did. <laughs> she lost four pounds and thought she'd die of starvation. She ended up going to the doctor because... but. She didn't do it right. Um, you know, shout out to Angela. I <laughs> loved her article. But she 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 bought like all whole insects and she has like crazy like fear of insects. So 
yeah, of course she couldn't finish any of her food and she went, she tried to starve. Like, like I'm eating cricket powder and the first few bites was real dodgy for me, but now I'm slowly growing into it. Eventually I'll be able to maybe eat cricket chips. I don't know. I can't even eat shrimp because they look like the animal that they are. I was going to say, I think mealworms would be the easiest one for me to be able to eat because they kind of look adjacent to something that I would have eaten before I became vegetarian. Yeah, I've heard that they're good as like a crunchy crouton-esque sort of thing on salad. I imagine they'd just be really good in like a pasta dish with like a marinara sauce or something. I think I sent you that picture of um, they made a mealworm soup with egg in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're braver than me. Kristen is ready for this. <laughs> you can do a, a, a full week as a, as a, a post challenge. <laughs> I don't think so. I think what I've learned from this episode is that I, I'm going to finish the cricket powder that I have, but I don't know that I think it's ethical to eat. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tricky um, because like we've talked about, crickets still need to eat food. So they'll still require crops and energy from, you know, heating their facilities. If you're looking for the most ethical diet, it's still vegan. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know if you supplement with a couple of tablespoons of cricket powder in a smoothie every couple of days to get your B12 up. I don't see any harm in that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know. Like, I have no idea how my vegan B12 supplement is made, but like, presumably it could be the case that crickets are more ethical than whatever processes used to make those. I don't know. Or not even more ethical, but like you, your body sometimes... I'm not so sure about supplements because sometimes the way that they're they're made makes it so that your body just can't process them. So you're just taking in the B12 and then pooping it out and you're not getting any value <laughs> from it. Whereas like if you're eating cricket, then I know you know your body's processing it the way that it's meant to be. I don't know. I'm not a dietitian. Don't listen to anything I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think probably just eat all the bugs you see and you'll be fine. That sounds like great advice. No, no. <laughs> no, listen to her. Don't listen to Kristen. <laughs> Dr. Kristen. Especially the brightly colored ones. That just means they taste great. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and wasps. Just stuff a whole live wasp in your mouth. Just like encourage it into your mouth, you know, like hold your mouth open with some soda so that they know to go in there and give it a go. So my last thought on all of this is just to kind of tell you guys that the the industry is slowly growing. In 2018, Sainsbury's in the UK started carrying crunchy roasted crickets. Uh, Whole Foods and Loblaw here in Canada also apparently stock it, although I've never noticed it at Superstore before. I'll have to look for it the next time I'm in a Superstore. More than 100 companies currently exist that produce their own branded foods uh, made from insects. The industry was worth less than a billion dollars in 2019, but is projected to be worth as much as $8 billion by 2030. The farm in Texas that I've talked about a couple of times, Aspire Food Group, they're like quickly ramping up their production because they can't keep things in stock. Uh, we're finding stuff out of stock at the places we want to buy from here in Canada. So is it the food of the future? Probably, honestly. Like at the very least, we'll be feeding it to our, to our um, livestock, although I'd rather skip the middleman on that one and just go straight to the cricket. Yeah. I think that like, so... I genuinely think oat milk is like the milk of the future. I think plant milk is going to supplant dairy milk as the main milk in the next like 30 years. I don't see crickets doing that unless we have an ecological collapse and we just have no choice. Can't. Yeah. And we have no choice. Um, but I do think that crickets and other types of insects will probably be like a larger share of our protein intake, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, which I'm, I don't know. I'm fine with it. I don't know. Are you going to eat insects, Kristen? Where are you landing on this? I don't think so. No, I, I don't know. I, I don't think the environmental case is strong enough as somebody that's trying to go towards veganism. I think that seems like a better environmental choice. And uh, I don't know. The animal rights points, I was convinced that it was a lot better than seafood or eating birds and mammals. But I'm not convinced that there are no harms, you know? Yeah. What about for people who maybe eat meat already, they want to reduce their consumption of steak and pork, but they're not ready to go full vegan? Yeah. Like if you're um, somebody that's looking at going more plant-based, but you're like, I don't know, maybe you're like a weightlifter or something and you're worried about losing, like not getting enough protein. (laughs) I'd say, first of all, you can get enough protein from plants, but if you're not convinced, start with crickets. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think I think where I'm falling on this is is obviously I'm still going to try to eat as vegan as possible as often as possible. I might start buying cricket powder, honestly, uh, as kind of a way to supplement that because I, I am a kind of person who I just I need to I need to be really careful of my iron and B12 intake. And on a bad day, I might go get a cheeseburger still. And I, I, if I can avoid that by just knowing like, oh, I can just put two tablespoons of cricket powder in a smoothie at home, I might just run home and do that instead. Yeah, that's true. That is a that's maybe I might incorporate that. I don't know. I still think probably not. But it does have a lot of good stuff like omega threes, B12s. Those are all things that it's difficult to get as like, you have to really think about it if you're doing a plant-based yeah, diet. Yeah, exactly. Or use supplements. I don't know. If I could see it upset the current meat industry uh, the way that it is right now, I would be fine with that because the meat industry is destroying our planet. Yeah. Although I feel like I'm putting, I'm putting money down on fashionable veganism slash the Beyond Burger more so than, than that. Crickets aren't really a replacement for anything that we eat as meat, you know, like you can really only eat it in powdered form right now. You can eat them as chips. <laughs> yeah, you can eat them as chips, but like eating them in a smoothie, that's not a thing that traditionally has meat in it. Mm, true. At least not the smoothies I eat. Um, and chips, that's again. That's the nice thing about the powder, though, that the argument is that you can scoop it. Like I scooped it into my spaghetti. But yeah, you're not getting like a ground meat out of it. You're not getting ground beef. You're not getting like a burger. But I don't know. I feel like as the industry gets bigger, we might see more of that. Yeah, maybe. And and I think that's where it would be sort of more impactful, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Let's let's down with the meat industry, but not everyone's going to go vegan tomorrow. <laughs> so I am pro-cricket. <laughs> <laughs> with the caveat that everyone should just be vegan. But I also am not vegan. I'm really bad at it. Like, I was at work the other day and people ordered pizza and I had pizza because it was there. <laughs> Yeah, I've been visiting with my family for the last month or so. And honestly, I've had so much eggs and dairy. So who am I to judge? Eat your crickets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, this is a really interesting topic to me. I had a a lot of fun researching it. I spent a lot of time on it. You did a great job. Yeah, it it was really interesting. I would... Honestly, out of all of the episodes we've done before, I would be the most interested to hear what listeners think on this one because it's it's really up there. Um, so if you guys want to tweet at us, you can get us at Pullback Podcast on Twitter. Please let us know what you think. Uh, we are on Instagram where you can see all of our delicious uh, <laughs> cricket and mealworm food that we've been <laughs> making up for the last couple of weeks. And 
Do you have anything you wanna you wanna shout out? Oh, call to action. Try a try cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Great call to action. Uh, I just want to shout out you for being amazing yeah. and doing all the research for this episode. Aww, <laughs> so nice. Yeah. All right. Then our call to action is everyone should try cricket. Why not? It's out there. It'll make the industry a little bit bigger. I don't see the harm in that so far. Cricket, hop to it. <laughs> All right, that's the end. (laughs) (laughs) Can't top that. Um, So yeah, actually using insects uh, to kind of help local small small farm. um, Hang on, let me just... Distracted you with my disgusting cockroach fact. <laughs> no, I just like I, I my my wire keeps touching my leg, and we're talking about insects, so I keep thinking something's crawling on me. 